0: Welcome! Normal service has been resumed. We are coming straight out of the Madhouse HQ on 66.6 FM Madhouse Radio. We are, as always, your humble and faithful radio DJs. My name is Jimmy and over there is
1: Joey. Hi, Jimmy. Coming to you straight with our new film, Pontypool.
0: Pontypool. It's not about a caravan park in Wales.
1: No, and we don't have voices as silky smooth as that man.
0: Um, I don't know. Mazzy. Mazzy, yeah. Grant Mazzy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe not, actually.
1: So this film... That we are doing today is Pontypool 2008 screenplay written by Tony Burgess, who was based, sorry, who based it on his own book, Pontypool Changes Everything, directed by Bruce MacDonald.
0: Lovely. And it was done in the sort of, like, he wanted it to be like the War of the Worlds radio play. Am I right?
1: Yes. Yep. And um, it
0: it is, because I don't think you need Pictures. You can just listen. Yeah, it. you
1: could. I think initially it was meant to be just uh that sound wave on screen when everything else happened. Oh. And it ended up being a radio show and a film. Fuck. So but I have a bit more information on that somewhere down. Not much more than that, just times. But there you go. Yeah.
0: Did it like did it make a lot of money, this film? I don't think uh no. It doesn't
1: seem to have been much of a financial success at all. I saw small figures and didn't believe them, so I double-checked elsewhere, and it seems to be true. Oh, because I saw the small
0: figures, and I thought, no, they're they're missing some zeros off this.
1: I thought that, but I've looked in a couple more places, and it seems to be the same everywhere. It was made on a relatively small budget in the first place, but a small budget in films is one and a half million only made 1500 on its opening weekend, is what I saw? Is that what you saw? That's what I saw, yeah, and I thought they'd missed a couple of zeros off. Yeah, uh, grossed just $32,000 worldwide. That's in a cinema run, by the way, that's what these figures yeah. come off. So yeah. that's within however long it's at the cinema, is two months, but that's still really bad. This is
0: 2008, so people are still going to the cinema in 2008. Do you not, know what I mean? Not it's not to all see downloads. This film. Well, apparently not, but it's not all downloads. Do you know what I mean? Nowadays, you don't have to leave your house to go to the cinema. No, but this uh, was a simpler time. Two thousand eight, my heyday. <laughs> two thousand seven,
1: two thousand eight. Really? Yeah,
0: yeah, boy.
1: <laughs> I think early
0: twenties. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I was tw- uh, twenty, I think twenty. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was uh, yeah these. Figures are come off of cinema sales, so even something that came out now, I think its figures will be on cinema sales, which will skew things because Netflix and other places do stuff straight to their platform now. Yes. So I don't know how they'll figure that out because you don't you don't buy a ticket, no, to go and see that. So how do you figure out it's gross or it's worth? Anyway, I have no idea how nice. Pontypool has sold in the ten years or so since. Then, in terms of uh, DVD sales or lic- licensing agreements with uh, streaming like Prime or Netflix. But $32,000 is a bad cinema run. Yeah, shit. On a film that costs one and a half million. Yes, and this is a f- good film. It is. It's not like it didn't deserve to do better. Yeah. So, are we going to go on to a plot slot?
0: Yeah. I think we should warn the listeners that there's probably going to be some
1: terrible, terrible Canadian accents. Can you do a Canadian accent? Uh, No, I can do a Southern American accent. It's probably the best I can get on with there, Jimmy. Right, that's terrible then. That's the (laughs) wrong part of town, isn't it? What's that all about? I was going to say, it's a lot Eh? further away than... uh, Yeah. (laughs) I thought you were going Scottish then. I have no idea why. No, I'm on a boot. No boot do say a at the end of everything as well oh yeah i can do the generic things i just can't do it in the right accent
0: i've spent i spent a bit of time in ontario and
1: was that in your heyday by any chance it in was actually the yeah Smurfs. yeah you. yeah it was yeah
0: <laughs> and you kind of pick you do naturally sort of pick up the accent
1: yeah i am an accent like picker up
0: yeah after you're there for quite a while then you, you start doing it and you start yeah you start putting the a on everything at the oh, end of okay everything. like uh, we're going for a drink eh <laughs> yeah a drink eh what's a drink eh I'll have a drink eh <laughs> you got a drink eh do you a want a drink eh yeah I oh, would we'll
1: just walk over here eh eh what but you get used to it do you yeah you get used to it I, if I about... I'm the only person in my entire family not born in Yorkshire <laughs> <laughs> and I have family distant family in Bristol and if I ever go spend time in any of those places for a week or a bit more I come back talking shit <laughs> it doesn't make sense to anyone that knows me right are we gonna do a timer this week uh, yeah i think it's about time we bring back the time it's tradition yeah normal don't service care about it anymore but we're gonna carry on doing it for tradition's sake right okay i'm gonna start and you're gonna go okay yeah where, where am i going yeah plot slot In the small town of Pontypool, Ontario,
0: former shop jock turned radio announcer Grant Massey drives through a blizzard on his way to work. When poor visibility forces him to stop his car, an underdressed woman appears on the road, startling him. Grant calls out to her, but she disappears into the storm, ominously repeating his words and visually disturbing him. (laughs) <laughs> Shut it. Grant eventually arrives at the radio station where he works with technical assistant laurie Drummond and
1: station manager Sidney Breyer. As the morning proceeds, Grant's on-air persona irritates Sydney. They get a report from their helicopter reporter Ken Loney, which uh, Sydney reveals to Grant is a man on a hill with sound effects mimicking a helicopter. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. About a possible riot at the office of a Dr. Mendez, he describes a scene of chaos and carnage that results in numerous deaths. We should
0: just mention that Grant rocks up, gets into his studio, the woman passes him a bottle
1: of scorch. Yeah, and he'll wax it in his coffee.
0: Wax it in his coffee. That's that's
1: how, yeah, that's how I'd like to do a radio show. I'd love to have a job where that's how you start the day.
0: After Ken is... Unexpectedly cut off, the group tries to confirm his report, but their witnesses are disconnected before they can put them on the airwaves. Ken calls back and reports that he has found the infected son of a well known citizen nearby who is mumbling to himself. Before Ken can hear what the son is saying, the call is again cut off, this time by a startling transmission of garbled French, which is literally should just be French. Yeah. Because it's all
1: garbled, isn't it? It is, if you don't (laughs) speak it. (laughs) The transmission is an instruction to remain indoors, not to use terms of endearment, phrases that conflict or the English language. And I'm sorry, but the French have been pushing that for a long time. (laughs) Nothing about the disease. Pontypool is declared to be under quarantine. Ken then manages to call back this time. Enough for Grant and the women to hear the infected sons mumbling, which is nothing but mommy. That's mommy mummy. That's mummy. For our English listeners, which most of you are. In a child's voice. In confusion and disbelief, Grant tries to leave the station, but a horde of people attack, and Grant, Sidney, and laurel Ann lock themselves in. Meanwhile, laurel That's really hard to say. Laurel-Anne. Laurel-Ann, yeah, Begins demonstrating erratic behavior. She fixates on the word "missing," repeating it over and over. Then imitates the sounds, the sound of a boiling kettle. That's a freaky moment. She holds that note really well for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Doctor Mendez enters the studio, and Grant, Sydney, and Mendez lock themselves in Grant's sound booth. I just want to quickly go back
0: to the transmission from the French, the Canadian French. Yes. Uh, so they go through that saying in terms of endearment, phrasing completely, yeah. the And then at the very end, they say, do not try and translate this message. Yes. So Laurel Ann translates the message, and surely you'd put at the start of your service announcement, do yeah. not
1: translate this message. Yeah. It's like putting uh, up the uh, bottom of a tube of Pringles, do not eat these Pringles. Yeah. You've um, already eaten the bloody Pringles. Yes. To read the message. Now I have a massive dislike for the French Canadians. Why? I just think they're twats. <laughs> Every single one. Pretty much, yes. I'm getting. Go- What's I'm the going- story behind your hatred for? There's, there's a, there's there be is a story. source. Yeah? There
0: is a story, but I'm not going to bring it up oh. on here. I'm just going to tell you that they are all twats.
1: Okay. I'm gonna try and get that out of you when we're not on a timer.
0: Mendez explains his theory. Somehow a virus has found its way into the human language, infecting certain words. And only certain words infect certain people. Once these infected words are said and understood, the virus takes hold of the host. As he explains, Laurel Ann repeatedly slams against the sound booth window, chewing off her lower lip and splattering blood with each attack. We've all been there we've done some pills, haven't we? (laughs) Ken calls in again and while on the air, he also succumbs to the
1: apparent virus, repeating the word sample. So, someone's giving them free samples of pills and they're taking one too many. Yes. Basically. Probably, yeah. They're That's chewing
0: their faces off, aren't they? Sample,
1: sample. And then, yeah, the the
0: grinding of the lip. Yeah, next thing you know, you're sat in the corner with your hands in a bowl of boiling
1: water. Loving life. Is there a story there as well? Yes, there is. Two stories <laughs> we need to get out of here this episode. Outside the booth, Laurel opens her mouth and vomits a large amount of blood and gore before falling down dead. Mender suspects this has happened since Laurel failed to pass the infection onto a new host. The horde then breaks into the radio station, attacking the sound booth. Sidney records a loop of Grant saying, Sidney Briar is alive and plays it over the station's outdoor loudspeaker as a diversion to lead the mob away. Dr. Mendez begins to repeat the word breathe, but immediately begins speaking in Armenian, which stifles but not eliminates the symptoms. Mendez surmises that it is only the English language that was affected by the virus. Grant and Sydney speak in French. Leave him alone in the booth, and they are nearly killed when the recording fails and the mob returns, but Mendez successfully lures them away from the studio. Yeah, first play. Save their lives. Feeling guilty for killing an infected young girl...
0: I also want to touch on this point. I wouldn't have felt guilty about killing this girl. Okay. Because she turned up to the she took ter- she turned up in a in a troop, didn't she? They were singing troop. Yes. And they were clearly all white, but they blacked up. Oh yeah. And she was she was proper like had it on. Brown, yeah. So I wouldn't have felt that bad. Yeah. Because you can't do that.
1: Yep. Yeah, it was
0: dodgy. Sydney begins to succumb to the word kill. Grant then attempts to disinfect sydney by convincing her that the word kill now means kiss dirty old man we know what you're thinking he urges her to repeat kill is kiss what does snow lob mean (laughs) (laughs) kill is kiss over and over again and her symptoms symptoms subside she tells grant to kill her he then proceeds to kiss her yes Armed with knowledge on how to stop the virus, the pair go on air, spouting a series of non-contradictory and confusing phrases to help their infected listeners, ignoring warnings from the authorities who are trying to get them off the air. While an amplified, amplified voice from outside counts down from ten, Sydney joins Grant in the booth, and they kiss once again, dirty old man. As the countdown finishes, the screen goes dark, and the credits
1: roll. Audiovox pops and broadcasts play over the credits, reporting further outbreaks of the virus, suggesting that the quarantine has failed. After the credits, the scene shifts to a radically different view, a stylized black-and-white version of Grant and Sydney in what looks like a far eastern atmosphere, as Grant describes his plan to get out of here. The picture gradually shifts into colour, and the scene makes no sense.
0: Yeah, it's a bit... It's a bit of a weird ending.
1: Usually a post-credit scene adds a little bit more to the story. This seemed like maybe they just had been pissing around with some stuff.
0: Yeah, there's a couple more films there, isn't there? I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, because it, it turns out that the, the, the infection has now got the whole world, hasn't it? It's yeah. been broadcast through radio and it reached like it's reached all over the place so there i don't know how they're gonna are they fighting i don't know why they've got guns and i don't know why they're suddenly badasses. maybe we need to read the book
1: yeah or watch the next films watch the next films uh i'm guessing that bbc reporter had something to do with it oh did he only because he was broadcasting and talking to them so it was taking that local radio station internationally. Oh, yes. I'm, oh. I don't know anything about the next seri- the next film or the book, but that's my prediction.
0: Okay, because I think that Grant... Oh, we've done the plot slot,
1: by the way. Oh, yeah. And we have uh, 19 seconds left now, so uh, we killed it.
0: Okay, I think I'll talk about the ending in the next little bit.
1: Okay. So it's time, listeners, for us to go over to Ken Loney in his Sunshine Chopper and he can tell us his frights and delights. Frights
0: and delights. Here we go with frights and delights. We can't get hold of Ken in the Sunshine Chopper, so
1: we're going to have to deal with... Joe instead well I'll do I'm right no Ken sat in my car on a hill <laughs> and I don't have any helicopter sound effects but I do have some frights and delights oh. so uh, my first one's a delight we've already kind of touched on I'll do it anyway uh, Pontypool was not just a film it was also made into a radio broadcast that came in at 58 minutes long while I was watching this early on I was thinking of the Orson Welles broadcast of War of the Worlds. Uh, That was a retelling of HG Wells' original story. It was done from the perspective of a radio station receiving news of the Martian attack in real time. At the time, the War of the Worlds radio drama caused a mass panic, as people who tuned into the broadcast after the intro, which stated it was fictional, panicked, believing there was an actual attack. Pontypool was influenced by that radio drama. That's why there was also a radio broadcaster version, because that's what they were originally kind of going to do, and possibly where the idea of a radio broadcaster telling the kind of story as it unfolds came from.
0: Yeah. How would you get away with that? With what? Like putting out
1: a radio broadcast that is a play, but you want it to seem real. It stated at the beginning, Yeah. what you were about to hear is fictional. Oh, But, oh, and then people tuned into the radio. Yeah. And it was partly someone going, oh, yes, we're just coming in with new news of another object coming down from space and landing in a field. It's now opening, and everyone was kind of invested. Yeah, that's brilliant, but
0: how, how would you... I'm literally asking, how would you go about it? Do you know what I mean? Like, right, okay, I've got this great... Radio play. I want to put it out there. I want to make it seem like it's real. Uh,
1: how are we gonna fool people? Because you can't get f-ing Chris Miles to do it, could you? Do you know what I mean? Chris Moyles did it. Did he? Uh, uh, yeah, I remember my brother recorded. They Chris Moyles did like a spoof of it. Oh, okay. Or... That's weird that you said Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was the first,
0: <laughs> it was the first radio DJ yeah. that I uh, I thought of. Um... Oh, okay. Like, cause, like you couldn't play. Mazzy doing his like playing this over here to try and fool English people because you go who the f- is this
1: DJ do you
0: know what I mean you'd have to get what's that f- annoying twat
1: on Radio 1 oh I've no idea now I'm over 30 Jimmy <laughs> that's true okay well I couldn't get oh okay you couldn't get Zoe Ball if you got Zoe Ball to do it I, I might believe it yeah but I don't think they were trying to trick people it was just a radio drama oh they should try and Trim trick the, people well sh- yeah, we'll,
0: uh...
1: <laughs> Oh no, what's that coming in the door?
0: <laughs> oh my god, it's a dwarf with its
1: trousers down. <laughs> Are you the f*** that doesn't like small people?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I reckon we fooled absolutely zero people there. Nope. Right, you going with a fright or a delight? I think the whole film
0: is a delight. It's very clever that it's done more with language than it is with visual. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the the fact that the virus turns out to be carried by language, yeah, as well as say being in the air or being bitten, yeah, or something like that. And I thought that's very very clever. It's different. It's a, it's a different take on the
1: zombie film. Yeah, and also the like the infectious disease film.
0: Yeah. I wanted to look up real things about diseases
1: that were carried through language and there, aren't they? It's... Do you think it was also meant to be like a, a social commentary on shit being spread through language and language being, like, abused to get away with saying things without really saying... I mean, it's 2008, so it's before the explosion of social media that we have now. That's true, yeah. That's true, yeah. Because so much viral shit just spreads... Yeah. Through language. Yeah. So maybe they weren't going for that though. It was 2008. I got my first, well, my first and only Facebook account. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else then. <laughs> <laughs> my first viral disease. <laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> yeah, it is a good film. Uh, the very first idea for the film was literally to have that sound wave at the beginning that we see at the start of the film. So when it, it they were going to do the radio Thing, yeah, and then it evolved into like just this sound wave on screen of Mazzy's voice the entire time. Sydney's voice would also be heard as the producer of the radio show, but Laurel Ann would only be mentioned. Yes, she wasn't going to be in it uh, with an actual part. Okay, so I think the idea of just making it into a film probably spawned from that. Yeah, and instead of that one idea, we got two iterations on film and radio. Okay,
0: Laurel Ann, she is I think there's something a bit fishy about her in this. Okay. Did you catch it? No. Cuz she's supposed to be she's supposed to be a vet, isn't she? Yeah. Not a vet uh, like a an army vet. Yeah, a veteran. Yes. And she was the homecoming something. Hero. Uh, something? Hi- homecoming hero yeah. of a parade uh, at the parade yeah. in Pontypool. Pontypool. But then there's another bit down the line where they, they bring that bit up again. And she's a bit coy about it. Like, she's, act- like I think she's not actually a vet. I, I think she's...
1: Maybe she is a animal vet. Yeah, maybe. And she people
0: a, yeah, she was a vet in Iraq. She didn't Iraq. Want to correct him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did you get that? Um, uh, no, but tell you what I thought was strange. Although, thinking about it now, maybe it's not strange. But I'll tell you anyway. Okay. (laughs) She's army trained. Uh, Well, apparently she's army trained, yes. Assuming she is. Okay. And she works in a sound studio. Yes. With lots of, I'm guessing, ability to manipulate sound. You would expect. We could do it here. Yeah. You turn it up, you turn it down. Volume, innit? Yeah. But she could also make a beep sound like this. be a beat there then. And uh, uh, why did she not start to use Morse code instead of the English language? Was she already screwed by the time they figured it out? I think she may have been. Uh, yeah, I think she may have been. Maybe that's why they got rid of her early <laughs> in the film. Oh, yeah, she could just Morse code Yeah, without using language. Yeah, but, yeah, would anyone be able to understand her Morse code? Can you understand Morse code? Yeah, there's the army all over the place up in... Flying around threatening to bomb the place, and I know, but they're French Canadians, they don't give a shit yes, about Yes, but she's Canadian Canadian, actually, you don't think they'd listen to Morse code? Nah, I unless I hear this story French. about your French Canadian nemesis, it's nemesis, nemesis, all of them. Or, uh, what's the plural of nemesis? Nemesis, yeah, let's go, with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, let's do another fight on the night. <laughs> What are you going on with?
0: Um. Okay, so I think that uh, Mazzy gets infected right at the start. Uh, yeah. From the woman in the blizzard. Yeah. I think that's where he gets it.
1: I don't know where she's got it from. There's a few times where he starts to lose it.
0: Yeah, there's a bit where he just loses his shit. Completely. Don't you f with me. That's it. And he goes f bonkers. Maybe the whiskey's kicked in. I don't know.
1: Also, when he hears the baby voice in the mouth, he literally starts going like a bit. A tiny baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, looking under his desk like he's looking for the baby. Yeah. So I think maybe he's got a touch of it from that woman right at the start. Maybe his talking on the radio. Because is it not to use contradictory terms and stuff? Yeah. He's concentrating so much on not using contradictory terms because it's his job to make sense through language. Yeah. So maybe he's keeping it at bay himself.
0: There's all... Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that is true. And then that's eventually why he figures it out. Yeah. At the end.
1: I think we've got breaking news on this show here, Jimmy. Yeah. What about honey? Nah, I'm alright, thanks. Oh. (laughs) Uh, honey the cat, yeah, he mentions him in the opening monologue. Right, yeah, right at the start. We've all seen the posters, but
0: uh, of Honey the cat, but nobody's seen Honey. Oh, another and that's argument for him losing it early
1: it? is he keeps repeating the word Ponty at the end of that. He's, yes, he's, oh, a, yeah, it yeah does. and it means a uh, panty or whatever, and he gets his way to describing the the origin yes. of the word Pontypool. He goes Pontypool, Ponty Pool, Ponty, Ponty Pant, uh, Pant, and he starts to lose it a bit. And then the film starts. Yes,
0: he's got it from the bloody start. Maybe he's the source. Well, no, he can't be the source because the woman at the woman in the blizzard. Ah, uh, yeah, him. I got
1: carried away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he has definitely, I think, he's definitely got
1: it before he
0: gets to the radio station.
1: Nice. I think that's a pretty good theory. You heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, first, okay, I've first, got something I've not la- first, d- first, first. First. First means first, burst. burst. First means burst. <laughs> uh, the director, Bruce McDonald does not call his zombies zombies in this film. He calls them conversationalists, which, let's face it, is a shit name. <laughs> I like, it's a lovely, I think that's a lovely little take on it the conversationalist yeah i don't i don't know why he has to call them anything they don't call them anything in the film i don't think they need a name uh that's probably
0: just for him though isn't
1: it <laughs> yeah sure yeah.
0: cuz they 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 repeat everything
1: that other people are saying don't they yeah it's not a conversation it's just a toddler tactic to annoy you <laughs> yes is uh he says there's three stages to the disease contracted in the film firstly you start repeating words Pontypool, Pontypool. But you don't know why. Then you become confused, unable to put sentences together properly. That's the phase I'm constantly on. (laughs) Uh, The last stage is that you become so confused and fearful of your condition, you start to believe that the only way out of your situation is to chew your way through someone else's mouth. Yeah. I think I may have seen people with this condition in the early hours of the morning in Nottingham City Centre. Just in doorways.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's just pills on it. Talking about
0: people making out. <laughs> oh, making <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. I think you are chewing <laughs> chewing their own face off, and not chewing
1: someone else's face off. Yeah, no, it's uh, just uh, another level. <laughs> Steve McHattie and Lisa Hul are married in real life. Are they still married?
0: Yeah. Oh, f- you know he's done good punching.
1: Yeah, uh, I believe they were. Uh, Married in, which this is weird. It's gonna sound weird. The nineteen hundreds. That's because anywhere I looked, it just said nineteen dot dot hyphen zero s. Okay. So, so like, no one knows what year, but it, it was before the millennium. So they were married during the making of this this film. Now, is he old? Don't know. Because he looks old. He looks. But is he? Does he look old? And he's not old. Because He could be anywhere from forty eight to. 78 because he looks quite leathered
0: yeah he's got a touch of the crocodile Dundee about oh,
1: him. oh I didn't even yeah
0: yeah I didn't put that together before you said it and he started banging a young chick as well didn't he did he crocodile Dundee yeah that blonde chick in the film so oh in yeah. the film yeah yeah. not Paul Hogan in real life I don't know what Paul Hogan's up to
1: probably constantly pushing for him to make another crocodile Dundee film probably <sighs> have you got any more No. I got three more. Oh, okay. Maybe.
0: I'm going to have a sip of the old.
1: This one's going to blow your little face off. Okay, brilliant. The writer. Little. Tiny. (laughs) I couldn't. I nearly said pretty, but let's face it. (laughs) (laughs) Pass that. (laughs) Pass that stage. The writer, Tiny Burgess, was in the film. Did you say Tiny? Well, Tony. I said Tiny. (laughs) Typo on my notes. That's his nickname. I won't tell you why. Is he a dwarf or a large man? Tiny. Uh, Yeah, it's ironic. Anyway, do you (laughs) want to have a guess? Let's do a little Jimmy quiz again. Okay. Who did Tiny play in Pontypool?
0: Who did Tony Burgess play in Pontypool? Yes. Uh, The woman at the start? No. Okay. Uh, There's not many other people in it. Oh, the little uh, girl who blacked up. No ah shoot not even tried. uh one of the Lawrences of Arabia.
1: Yes, the singing people the man the man. the, the black top man who was dressed horrendously as a suicide bomber <laughs> <laughs> and I can't believe. That that happened. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure. Well, I'm not even slightly sure why (laughs) that was in the film. But I think I'll talk about that later.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird...
1: Because you could have done anything and they chose to be a little bit racist. (laughs) Yeah. And have a suicide bomber and be called Lawrence and the Arabians. That's it. Lawrence and the Arabians. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so... Weird and bad and offensive, it's funny, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So anyway, he was in Lawrence and the Arabian as a singer. Grant Matzee even calls him by his real name, by the way, when they're in the sound booth. That was Tony Burgess. Oh. A. Uh okay, the name Pontypool has an interesting origin. Okay. Did you read any of this? Nope. Tony Burgess needed a cover photo of himself for his book, The Hell Mouths of Beaudley. He and his wife set off to Beaudley to get a shot of him on the docks with the sun setting, but on the way, they realised they were going to miss the sunset, so they pulled over in the town they were to take the picture. The town they stopped in was called Pontypool. He was under pressure at the time to write a second novel, and he said, I owe Pontypool a book. And his next book was called... Ponty changes everything, I think that was the name,
0: yeah,
1: so there you go, Pontypool is not even a place in Ontario,
0: is it not is it made up,
1: yeah, no, it's not made up, it's a place I think in the u s oh, okay. but he wanted I, I i don't know why he chose to do it the way he did, or well, they did, but they did
0: it's
1: it's Good
0: also film in Wales isn't it Pontypool, yeah, oh, whats, what's a good. A good? <laughs>
1: So you did the accent. I just said, "What's occurring, <laughs> Bryn?" <laughs>
0: oh, where to
1: you go in?
0: <laughs> where to you go in?
1: Uh, that was better. That was better. Thanks. There's a shot towards the end of the film of a whiteboard. On this whiteboard, there are two cherubs and some random words. Within this word jumble are the sentences: "Always eat meat and gorgeous white death."
0: Hmm, what does it mean?
1: I don't know. Oh. Just one uh, to think about. Gorgeous white death. It's snowing. Everyone's dying. And always meet, eat meat. They're all eating each other, aren't they? Yes. Good point. Yeah. I think it was just a little bit of a uh, what do you call it? A little least draggy type thing they put in there. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've got no more.
0: Oh, okay. Where are we going now? Well, I think we're going to.
1: Uh, well, why don't you uh, take it away? Maybe we should, uh, mosey on over to, uh, the master of the macabre. Master of the
0: macabre.
1: Still no word from Ken Loney in the Sunshine Chopper, so we're going to hang around here for a little bit longer and we're going to choose our favorite honorable mentions and best performance, really. Of Pontypool in this section, we call Master of the Macabre. Over to Jimmy. Jimmy, are you there? Can you hear me? Hello? Jimmy? Hello? Hey, Jimmy. What? We are on Master of the Macabre. Sorry, and what? You're Master of the Macabre, Jimmy. BBC? Sure. <laughs>
0: it's five
1: past nine. Okay, we'll come back to Jimmy in a moment to get the line clear. Oh, we have Jimmy on the line again. I'm hearing we've got Jimmy on the line. Jimmy. Joey. Hi. All right. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, just about.
1: Master of the macabre. Okay. Who've ma- you got?
0: Master of the macabre. Yes. Um what, for the top slot or
1: Uh no, honor- let's uh drop the act and go for honourable mentions now.
0: Okay. The actress who played Laurel Ann. <laughs> you told me to be her name. <laughs> Georgina Riley. Georgina Riley. Yes. I think she was um she was uh she was a good sound engineer she had a i think there was something wrong with her though i think there was something up i don't think she was a real soldier and i liked it when she kept running into the glass
1: yeah that like uh, takes a bit yeah jimmy's insights there thanks oh, i liked the face planting yeah uh well my honor is that your choice no that's just an honorable mention okay so i would like to propose something. Okay. This never happened before in the Master of the Macabre, or the Madhouse at all. I couldn't decide between Stephen McHattie or Lisa Hul, who played Grant Mazi and Sydney.
0: Right. Uh,
1: so I was wondering if we have a uh, a joint. A <laughs> what? Have a joint. Yeah, just have a joint, <laughs> <We got laughs> and then time. we'll talk about it later. <laughs> uh, no, I was uh, proposing a a duo, uh, uh, two winners. Oh, okay. Share the medal, Christ. Share it. They're both. I mean, we can pick one, but I can't pick one. You'll have to pick one because I thought they were both amazing. The only reason Stephen had anything on her was because of this type of voice.
0: Yeah, he's got that. He's like he is an old duffer, but he has. He is quite a good-looking
1: old duffer. And he's got some charisma.
0: Yeah. And he likes, a, he likes to drink a whiskey while he's doing his talking on the microphone
1: thing. Uh, but she was she was really good. They played off each other very well. Yeah, I think that was good. Did and... they, now,
0: were they married?
1: Yeah. Were they married at the time they did yep. this? Oh, okay. So what do you... Pick one or pick both. I'm leaving it up to you. Uh, what's Ken? What's
0: Ken got to say? What's Ken Loney got to say about this? Ken's dead. <laughs> oh shit.
1: Um, ah, let's give it them both. Joint winners of the Master of the Macabre. Yes. I, I. The reason I think that's justified is they play off each other so well. Off, the, it's almost the reaction to the other person's acting as well. I'm guessing they read lines a lot together. Yeah. And uh, so I don't think without the other one, the each one is as good as they were. Yes, I like his sort of bit of a playboy style
0: he's got as well. Yeah, like when he goes in to try and cure her. like you could think of any other word that kill could be. Yeah, kill is peach. spill. Kill is spill. Kill is flower. Kill is bill. I think I had to rhyme. Clock
1: does it? Uh, okay, no, it had to be something that could you distract yourself with. So uh, kill oh. is kiss, kind of makes sense. Cause
0: kill it... is drill. Kill is drill but he's gone kill his kiss, kill his kiss. Cause he wants to get his rocks off. So Venus is (laughs) genus. Yeah. So fair play that, uh, 10 out of 10 for effort.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Play until the end. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations, Stephen McCatty and Lisa Hool. I think you're getting your names right. So, uh, no medals coming towards you because they don't exist. But if we had the money and the finances, we would.
0: Yeah, and send it to the same
1: address, isn't it? Yeah, saves on costs. Send one medal with both names on it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Winning. Where are we going now, Jimmy?
0: Oh, I think we're going to take a little bit of time and we're going to go over to the Madhouse Rating System. The Madhouse Rating System. I mean, this is getting a little bit worrying now. We still have not heard from Ken up in the Sunshine Chopper. I don't know what we can do about this situation. If you've seen Ken, if you've seen the Chopper, please ring in and tell us.
1: The Chopper's a car. Oh, oh, shit. What kind of car is it? Some Dodge, I think. I don't know. He's dead. I think he's dead. Oh, my God, he's dead. Anyway, moving on. It's the house rating system. Yeah, and Ken would want us to carry on as normal. Of course he would, eh? (laughs) What's this all about?
0: (sighs) So, here we go. We got first up we have, as always, it is tension and suspense. The film
1: yes, uh, has some great pacing. Pace. The start is a little slow, but it's all part of the plan. The phone calls that come in from uh, Ken Loney in the Sunshine Chopper uh, really do a, a a great job of bringing the action into this one location where the film's taking place. Yeah. He has some pretty brutal descriptions of victims, one of which has lost his hands in some horrible way and yeah. he just stumps, but is still alive, unable to move because of all of his broken bones. The fact that these parts are described and not shown... Really puts the horror in your own head. Yes. Putting the tension you feel on par with those in the studio. Yes. And Ken's the only one who's down there in the thick of it. Yeah, he's the way of us knowing what's happening. Yeah, because the the other three, we're all trapped in a radio station. You know, what's going
0: on? You know, Mazzy thinks it's a hoax. He does for a bit, yeah. He thinks they're yanking his chain. Yeah. Tickling his pickle. Pulling his
1: leg. (laughs) Frying his frankfurter. Is that one or did I just make that up? Don't know, but now I really want a hot dog. (laughs) Uh, The fact that this virus spreads from words is a fantastic new way of looking at the infection genre. Yes. The The tension that comes from it is also on point as we are watching Grant Mazzy, a man whose whole career and persona is his voice and communicating through audio. Now he has to face the fact that the one thing he is great at could kill him or the people around him. Tension and suspense in this film are fantastic in general, and I think the biggest reason is the unknown. We know as much as the main characters know, and we learn more when they do. In most films, we're watching from a a godlike perspective of knowing more than the people within the film, and that can cause its own tension in other ways. What this type of film does is it puts you kind of in the story like you're still observing but you're on a more personal level and that makes the stakes feel higher.
0: Yeah, it's like shit. We're listening to this, how it's going.
1: Yeah, like War of the Worlds on the radio. Yeah. So uh, I would give it a star.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah? Yes. Soid. Okay. Next up, we have gore and visual effects. Effects. Effects.
1: Effects. Effects. Effects is a dex. Deck <laughs> Sorted you. <laughs> uh, there's barely any gore to speak of. No. To be honest, most of the gore in this film is described either by reports that come in or over the phone. Laurel Ann has a good old splatter all over the sound booth. She smashes her head against the glass a lot and bashes her face in pretty well before she launches a classic chunky vomit comet all over the place. <laughs> uh, can you think of any more actual gore? No,
0: that's the only. That's I think that's the only part. But the way that they've done her face and her how her mouth all slit open. Yeah, when she's been chewing on the electrical.
1: But Shit. your makeup crew had one job. Yeah, oh, I know, but they. F- I bet out, they, they it. really worked. On it. Yeah. They <laughs> For know. visual effects, it it does quite a lot in terms of not showing us too much. It's Which, very much a less is more thriller type setup. Yeah,
0: I think that's the beauty of it.
1: Yeah, it relies on uh, words. Yeah, yeah, and the the good old uh, what what you don't see is sometimes scarier than what you do.
0: Exactly could have a french canadian living next door
1: <laughs> what's with the french canadian <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's been done a lot this kind of thing but it could be brilliant when it's done well and i think pontypool is done well yes i was impressed with it, it can be difficult to create decent gore or monsters and visually realistic things or at least impressive effects but it's probably just as hard to make a decent horror film without using any of it.
0: I think that is the 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 key to it. Yeah. Is the fact that they've, they've actually done a very good horror film without with just using words basically. Yeah,
1: and it's like losing uh, a big crutch in this genre. Uh, yeah. You you rely on jump scares or yeah. gore or lots of different things to creep you out yeah. that are sometimes done in a cliched way and they've just avoided everything and, yeah. and done it their way. Yeah. But we're supposed to be deciding if it has a point for gore on visual effects. Do you do it for lack of in the right situation? Oh, I don't know. I'm torn. I think they were going for something specific that they did quite well. I don't want to give them a full star for gore on visual effects because there was barely any. They got one bit of gore, which they did well, but yeah. it was just, it was a smidge. <laughs> okay. and uh, <laughs> it was Dusting. Yeah. It was a light dusting of gore. Uh, dusting of gore and the avoidance of too many visual effects. But uh, visual effects can mean camera work and everything else. They did amazingly, I, I mean, I think half a star. Yeah, they did the snow well. a <laughs> <laughs> visual effect, isn't it? Wow, yeah. Talk about more of that in our Christmas special. Yes, in about two months. Uh, so, uh, well,
0: let's go half star then. Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, for Laurel Land's face.
1: Yes, after she got cut up. Yeah, well, her makeup was all right before, and I guess that counts as makeup. Yeah. <laughs> so, well done. All right, one and a half. Right. Out of two. Okay, one and a half out of two. Right, okay. Next up
0: we have I believe it is I think
1: Performance. <laughs> performance. Performance. So I did you know that No. Yeah. S- uh, Stephen McCatty was nominated for the best actor award at the prestigious genie awards, whatever they are. Oh yes. It was also nominated for Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay, but that's not relevant to this section. Uh, Stephen was incredible. What else has he been in? He's, I don't know. Oh. Stuff. Okay. He's a man blessed with a velvety cool voice that most people can't even fake. Nope, can't do it. No. Uh, I don't know what else he's been in. Do you know anything? No. Jimmy's Deep Bath. Jimmy's what? Deep. Deep Bath. Deep Bath. Yeah.
0: Alan Partridge.
1: Uh, okay.
0: Jimmy's... I just remember the... I've had a scotch egg!
1: (laughs) 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 And that type of stuff. Uh, Anyway, it's a small cast with only three main characters that all did very well. Yep. Lisa Hu was fantastic in her role as Sydney. Sydney started off fighting with Grant, but they figured out how to make it work together as the situation unfolded. That transition felt natural. They're not forced, so that's a job well done by both of them. Yeah, uh, Stephen and Lisa really bounce off each other really well. They're married because they obviously. were bouncing <laughs> off each other very well. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. They're married, so uh, they're probably bumping uglies. Yes, i f- are you a mind reader because I was <laughs> just gonna say bumping <laughs> uglies. Uh, Though what I've got written is they're clearly close and probably <laughs> practice lines together and looking by him, probably take a few lines together. <laughs> yes! Uh, and they work together very well. It's pretty unreal. Yeah. Georgina Riley, who plays Laura Lann, is apparently not the same actress in the scary movie spoof films of the early noughties. That's who I thought she was the whole time. And please look at both of them. I still think I might be wrong in my research and thinking they're not the same people. But they look exactly the same. They to
0: look me. a little. I think I know who you're talking about now.
1: It's not just a little bit. They better yeah. be sisters with different surnames, brought up in different countries, and like separated at birth. Because
0: right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe
1: I'm um, probably I haven't seen scary films for a while, but there you go.
0: Uh, well, yeah. Why would you? <laughs> Don't know.
1: <laughs> because I like be topical buck- humor from the early noughties.
0: Well, they should all be burnt. Uh, Get all the VHS up of the f- 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 yeah. scary movie and put
1: them in a. <laughs> pile and burn them. <laughs> <laughs> but Georgina who What's her name? <laughs> Georgina, Riley Georgina Riley was great and impressive. It was the smallest of the three main roles, so she had less room to shine in general. Yeah. But she was great as our first real exposure to a person infected with word syndrome thing. I think, do you know what?
0: Dr. Mendez should get a little bit of a mention on uh, this. Because yeah. he was a bit wacky. Yeah. Money. He? he? was a bit... You get the Wacky Award. Yeah, he got the... Yeah, definitely. Because he, ac- he came across the like... There's no UPK yeah. Award in this. No. Either, so that's a no. Wacky Award. Wacky Award. Because he was a bit... Like... He's supposed to be a doctor, but then he came off quite a little bit zany, didn't he? I don't know whether that was his... uh, Whether he was supposed to be like that.
1: I think he was
0: like... Comic Relief?
1: Yeah, but you know, there's scientists who shit is going down and it's terrible. Yeah. But also, it's really interesting and exciting from a scientific point of view. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's that just was excited. Him. Yeah. He's, like, oh, he's
0: very excited. Oh, shit. Happening.
1: This is hard. Look at what is happening. What that's what is she very doing? racist. I was trying to do French. Oh. He was German, wasn't he? Armenian. No, Armenian, yeah. Where the hell's Armenia? I don't know. Armenia. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Know. Eastern Europe? Same word. I don't know. Anyway, in his accent, he was very excited. I did not like the singing group. No. It seemed forced and out of place. Yeah. It didn't seem to make sense. There could easily have been a different guest or guests, and the story would have been exactly the same. Yeah. You could have one guest who started acting a bit odd, That and he and Grant would still have been just as pissed off that he had to interview this mundane person. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it could be like fucking
1: Bob from down
0: the street with yeah bottle top collection.
1: Yeah, or his new window cleaning service or something that small time radios talk about. Marjorie yeah. and a collection of edible knickers. Yeah, and that piece of toast that came out with a face that looks a bit like Jesus. Held by Marjorie, who's apparently now blacked up. <laughs> yeah why did they black anyone up in this film i don't get it it, it was just like maybe they consulted you and you're like yeah french canadians they're all racist <laughs> so we're like oh okay well let's be true to life they are a little bit are they <laughs> yeah a little bit and I, I right we'll get to the story <laughs> um go on what are you saying for performance uh a star yes from the sing group. Although they played really pointless, racist addition to a film characters really well. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah, we will send... That. <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> so that's two and a half stars so far. Next up is
1: musical score and the sound effects. Okay, so the soundtrack was written by Cloud Foise. Oh, Foise, who cares? A man who has had a huge career in music. He has worked with the Cirque du Soleil. If you can name a US TV network, then he has probably worked for them or still does. ABC. I don't have the list here. HBO. I said probably. I'm not confirming any. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a game. No, it's not a Jimmy quiz. <laughs> or jizz for sure. <laughs> he has scored over 200 films or TV episodes. The film literally starts off with nothing but Grant Massey's deep, awesome voice describing the missing cat, Honey, and the origin of the town name, Pontypool. Pontypool. Pontypool, A And there's just a sound wave of his voice flicking her away. There's a low synth noise droning away behind it. It's pretty cool. Obviously, we get a lot of radio noise playing in the background when they have breaks in their show. When Mazzy is on the radio, there's usually that droning synth again, some well-written and played minor piano players through some of the other scenes with a bit more emotion. The score in general is an exceptionally well-written score as a piece of music. It's great. It's not an in-your-face horror score. It's not the Exorcist or Halloween-y type catcher with a hook Yeah. score. The type of soundtrack that sits there and does its job without outshining anything else about the film, like it's sewn into the rest of the film. Yes. It's all sewn together to give one big effect and it all works really well. That was the point of the soundtrack, I think. Yeah. Lovely. So I'd give it a star. F- On a okay. side note though, oh, the questionable song sang by Lawrence and the Arabians is called The Nefer Desert and was also written because uh, if you remember the lyrics, but they were also very uh, offensive. <laughs> okay. They were written by Tony Bridges as well. Oh. I begin to have my doubts about the credibility of Tony Bridges. Nah. Maybe it's French Canadian. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, so I, I jumped to giving it a star, but I'm willing to go down to a half star <laughs> as well. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm going to say half star okay so we're at three yes we are right we're well coming done. in counting <laughs> oh I can do the counting <laughs> right we're coming in on the last one the overall experience it's a good film
1: yes great dialogue mm-hmm. fresh premise yeah a few missteps <laughs> whoa with a sing group yeah, and also I think the doctor was a bit of an explanation tool, a bit of a tool, a bit, and yeah, an explanation tool. Explanation job tool. was uh, delivering explain. info yeah. to the characters and yeah. ourselves that I feel could have been in there. A... They'd already done the phone in, they'd already done the getting stuff through the computer. This is just a way of not doing the same again. Yeah, I feel like they could have been a different, more imaginative way, but I don't know what it is. This is
0: eleven years ago
1: though. Well, yeah, it's got, got a stone age where back. they're drawing it on a wall.
0: Yeah, I know, but <laughs> like, it's the, evolved so much in these 11 has? years. Oh, like, you mean like movies. social media? Yeah, social media,
1: movies, storytelling. Yeah. No, nah, don't buy it. Right, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So many good films in the 70s and 80s and 90s. I think storytelling has been good for a very long time. Okay. You just have off moments. Okay, I think he might have been an off moment. To be honest, I liked the character and his zaniness, as you said, but I do feel he was a bit of a telling, not showing. I was surprised that Laurel Ann who was in the army and works in the sound studio, didn't think of using Morse code to attempt <laughs> to contact people without using actual words.
0: Which is why I think she's bu- a bit of a Billy Bull, a bit of a Betty Bullshitter.
1: Yeah. So what we're we doing? Oh, overall experience. Yes. What do you want to do? We're on three out of five.
0: I really like it. I think it's a clever film. When I watched it when it came out um, like 10, 11 years ago, I thought, oh, okay, this is a different take on the zombie infection film. Yeah. I really enjoy it. So, are
1: you giving it a star? I'm going to give it a star. All right, well, I will leave it as it is. Four out of five sounds good to me. All right, four out of five, Ponty Pool. Ponty Pool, hey. Okay, and that means that it's time for Jimmy's film choice and we will get right round to that after this message from our sponsor. Drink
0: Drink bug bug fast. fast.
1: Right, we are back from our sponsor break and Jimmy, are you ready with your film choice IMDb description?
0: Yes, I am. Now, this I've got to say is probably one of the best films I've ever seen. Shit. It's It's That's a claim. It is a claim and I hope you all agree. So, I'm going to I'm going to read out the description. Oh, I hate this bit. When troubled musical prodigy Charlotte seeks out Elizabeth, the new star pupil of her former school, the encounter sends both musicians down a sinister path with shocking consequences. Is it Carrie? No, it's not. They've remade Carrie? They have remade Carrie, yeah. Okay, no. But it's not know. Carrie. It? Okay, it is a film called The Perfection. Starring Alison Williams and Logan
1: Browning. Fair enough. Carrie's ballet, isn't it? Carrie? Carrie.
0: Yeah, school dance. Yes. Yeah.
1: Close. So, So
0: this (laughs) film came out in 2018. It's called The Perfection. All right. Literally, like, you could flick past this uh, on Netflix. Yeah. Like, you'd go, oh, that shit. I'd not heard of it. Yeah. Oh. Like you literally could judge this book by its cover and go, oh, this is sh- this looks shit. Uh, I keep knocking that. Sorry, right, but excited. then, but then, uh, for one day, right? Fuck it, I'm gonna watch it, and honestly, it is one of the best horror films. Is it a if Netflix not Netflix original, uh, I don't think it is a Netflix original, but it is on Netflix. But it is such a good film.
1: Nice. I look forward to watching you it. You are going to enjoy it. There's a lot of gems on, uh, like you say, on Netflix. You could scroll past a lot.
0: Literally. Over lot the, films. yeah, like the last five years, they have made some, f- it's like, there are some f***ing great horror films that uh-huh. don't rely on just all that f- gore and visual yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff that really tell really good stories. I want to list them off, but You're I don't pumped. because it's part of the game.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Prime, I nearly said one then. I was like, no, don't, because I think I could choose it in the next two or three. Yeah. But, yeah, just trust us. <laughs> yeah. Well, they probably already know. Yeah, well, yeah. Who doesn't? You look for horror films, you find them, don't you, on Netflix? Yeah. On Prime. Prime's good for old. Yeah, you get deep into Prime. There's some yeah. bright, the obscure, old stuff. Some weird stuff that... yeah. Uh, Maybe even slipped under the radar in its day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm thinking of a couple. Yeah.
1: Are we sorted? Yeah. Are we finished? Yes. Can't remember what score we gave it.
0: Four out of five. Four out of five. We should probably um, go back
1: sometime, get all the ratings, and literally write them down so we know. what I keep doing. meaning to do it. I also, while you're on that, I want to say, I want to introduce something that Ooh. we've done once before. Um, retrospective. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Everybody gets one. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, every, oh. okay.
0: Everyone gets one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We've done it with Hereditary. Yes. And we changed it from a six out of five to a five out of five. Yes. Because it's a great film. Yeah. But we got carried away. Yes. We, we got think. Caught up in the, we got caught up in it. Yeah. Also, we gave Train a half a star out of five. Yeah? Yeah. And we couldn't believe we hadn't given it at least one for gore. Yeah. 'Cause the goal was brilliant, so yes. retrospective I don't know what we should call it. Uh, uh we
0: should call it everyone gets a one.
1: Everybody gets one.
0: Everybody everybody gets one, yeah. All right. Everybody gets one. So say it like that though. Everybody every, gets one.
1: Everybody gets one. You get one, you get one, everybody gets one. <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there. I do think we should probably think about training again, even if it's just a one out of five. Let's boost it up to one out of five then, we could do it. Okay. But you don't do it ever again. Uh, you know or I mean? no, you can't do the same we film twice. Yeah. yeah, we can give it a rating. Yeah, then we can have a mulling period. Yeah, and then we can change it. But we, because it just becomes a complete farce if we can change it all yeah. the time.
0: Basically, sit on it. We've sleep f-ed up on the it first time round. Yeah. So let's go back and sort it out. <laughs> yeah.
1: It will call it also a sleep on it rating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think we're done. Let's end this. Romeo done. Who?
0: Don't don't worry, keep going.
1: Don't know what you said, but I'll listen to it on the playback. We're done. Thanks for listening once again. We'll see you again in two weeks. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, which... Is what you're using right now. So we need to tell you what it is. And we will see you next time for the next episode of the Madhouse Podcast.
0: Have yeah! you?
1: So uh why do you hate French Canadians? Oh no. <laughs> Come on! No. no. I'd really wanna know. No. Alright, I'll press stop recording and then tell me, yeah?
0: You'll find out.
1: I've stopped recording now. You can tell me.
0: Okay. It'll come out one day, don't
1: worry. Duh. What was the other thing? What was the other thing I was going to get out of you?
0: Next episode, we'll start with why I don't like the French Canadians.
1: Okay. that would be fun.